Did you know that it is hard to feel sad and frown when you look up? Did you know that it's hard to smile and feel happy when you look down? Here is the link to our podcast on this, Change One Change All. Did you know that it's impossible to be unhappy and grateful at the same time? Did you know that if you meditate with the corners of your mouth turned down, you become depressed? The miracle of the body-mind is lost in most self-leadership training because people want to commercialize happiness by making it complicated. They might talk about life purpose or relationship or yoga or something else you have to pay for. But right there, in the palm of your hand is the greatest miracle imaginable, the root of all human kindness, happiness, joy and love, your body-mind. What created the body heals the body and mind. Remember, most of your journey to happiness is simply unlearning the habits that prevent it. You deserve happiness and joy, nothing you need to do to earn it. You are born happy. Greater than what created the body heals the body. I'm sitting on my balcony at midnight writing this. I woke to the wonderful sounds of the rain. It's a wet rain, not pouring aggressively but soaking everything. Raindrops drip from trees and a few brave insects invade my space seeking shelter. The ocean is dead calm apart from a tiny shore break. The only traffic sounds are the occasional empty bus and a lone skateboarder ripping down the hill from wherever to wherever. It doesn't get better than this. I drinking a hot chocolate, a drink I love before bed sometimes but I've already been asleep for four hours. I woke for a pee and thought this moment is too good to waste. So here I am. And it's magnificent. Glad to share it. Which comes first in body-mind thinking? Does the mind change the body or does the body change the mind? It's the old chicken and egg question. But I do believe that everything starts with a thought. I believe we are born happy and given what we witness at the Paralympics in the next weeks that statement is quite extraordinary. But the child doesn't know it's broken until it experiences pain. It truly doesn't know it's broken until it tries to experience pleasure, which for some babies is its first breath. And then we can say that the journey of that baby carries something far greater than the story of its first breath. One must believe that a child born with a disability, or as I prefer to say unique ability has come to life with an extraordinary journey to travel. An imprint left from an unknown source, nature maybe, the universe, to bring a special life to the world as a teacher. But I do believe that we can think ourselves into illness. It is the most challenging conversation to have with someone who is ill or has experienced an accident of some sort, to point the finger and hold themselves accountable for causing it. However, conversation or not, I do believe and have thousands of times proven that all illness, accident and mental problem has its root in and fight between thought and nature. Over 30 years ago, when some fool announced that if one spent 10,000 hours studying something they would become the guru on the topic, my choice was body-mind. This is the root of my quest for knowledge and understanding about how thought causes life. I have learned from masters in the Himalayas, in First Nation traditional healing in Canada, US, Colombia and Indonesia, I have studied with masters of thought medicine in India, Japan and Korea. 10,000 I have long surpassed, but I still wrestle with the cruelty of blaming a person for their already difficult suffering. My neighbor has Parkinson disease. He is not my client and therefore I have not had the challenge to help him unravel a psychological thought pattern that would, in the art of healing in the Himalayas, direct him to evolve some aspect of himself. What, in body-mind, is considered the healing? Nor am I asked by my partner why she sprains her ankle before a major event that ruins her hope of success in that event and more. The silence one must hold when not asked or paid to heal is sometimes almost worrying. But I don't. 
Nature is doing its thing, no need to interfere. Greater than healing is the instantaneous recognition that crisis is a blessing. Greater than. Greater than Chris D.A. Walker. My yoga teacher friend of now 30 years and current next-door neighbor, ran an online workshop on this past weekend. There will be another next month. She partnered with an acupuncturist and each of the 100 participants were mailed a small goodie bag to bring to the session. In it were tiny band-aids that each contain a micro-pin. Participants we shown where on their body to place these pins to administer acupuncture to major meridians on their body. What an amazing intervention. My friend then demonstrated the use of acupressure using fingertips to stimulate body change. These are called marma points, link here. Although these two interventions that are not allowed to be called healing, due to government concern that there is no regulation on the skills of practitioners in healing arts and fair enough, I have experienced the benefits of both these practices during my studies in India and can say they worked for me. But many of the ills I have had to get treated by both Western and Eastern medicine reoccurred until I changed my thinking. My thinking, as I call it, is the cause, and until cause is evolved, the mind keeps making more of the same ills. My ankle bought an end to my football career. Ankles are about conflicting values, uncertainty and direction. My lower back needed three fusion surgeries. Before things deteriorated into rendering me immobile, I spent many years at physio, osteo, chiro, acupuncture and more but the back got worse and needed surgery. People keep their security, money and relationship, in their lower back. Maybe for all those years I was exaggerating the importance of both. A kidney stone saw me in emergency at hospital and eventually in a massive sandblaster to sonically destroy this coral that had lodged in my urethra. These, it is thought in body-mind, have their root in. Well, it doesn't matter. A thought. Migraine, menopause, fertility, depression, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, hip replacements, knee problems, neck pain, digestive issues, and every human malfunction can be traced through body-mind to a source and therefore a cure, in thought. But cause is not limited to our own body. When we attach and identify with someone so closely that we cannot imagine being separate, then we become exposed to their mindset dysfunction as well. What one person represses, say anger held inward, we express, angry. In this way, we can easily inherit dirty thinking through what we might think is love, but is nothing more that lost self-identify. Simply, it can be easy for us to say you caused your disease or accident but the definition of you with unhealthy codependency might actually refer to two or more people. A good example of this other than the obvious love relationship, can be the addiction to a group where individual identity is diminished in favor of a collaborative one. Emotions belonging to the group might infect the members and cause some disease in the body but each individual, at an individual level, is not accountable for the evolution that is needed. Only their loss of self-sufficiency might be brought into question during healing. Life-threatening illness always has its roots in the same thought. Lost vision. When an individual is not challenged and enthusiastic about the years to come, and starts living vicariously through their children with statements like I just want to be here to watch my kids grow up and have grandchildren you know they are lost. The illness that diminishes the qualities of their life are, in some form, slow suicide. Nature is a cruel mistress. She is the ultimate teacher. Evolve or die. We move in the direction of our dominant thought. And if those thoughts are a fight with nature, we will, I believe, be taught through health, illness and injury. Nature is a guide and teacher, sometimes a very, very strict one. Let me close with a tale that is true. 
I was exhausted, guilty, single and struggling after my divorce. I'd committed to become a yoga teacher at some stage and was way working too many hours, doing too much nerve testing yoga and suffering fatigue because of it. I was taken to the professor. A Chinese man, short podgy, strange, but always knowing. No English at all. He constantly snorted backwards through his nose. Protocol was that I would go into a room, with the friends and yoga teacher I was training with, and just sit. He came in, sat and meditated. Within a few seconds I could feel the presence of movement in my body, like a mouse running around on the inside of me. All over my neck, chest and stomach. It was him, closed-eyed, doing his examination. I was told to strip down to my shorts and lie face up on the floor. He began sticking acupuncture needles in my body, nearly 200 as it turns out. I was like Gulliver pinned to the floor. He then produced a spear. Not really a spear but a knitting needle length acupuncture needle and proceeded to insert it just below my rib sternum. I aimed it toward my heart and twisted and turned this 15 centimeters long iron needle into my heart. I felt it, my friends nearly fainted. It didn't end there. He then stuck a length of electrical cord into the PowerPoint, held one exposed wire between his fingers in one hand and proceeded to shock me with a small tingling sensation on the needle with the other hand. This was a master at work. You see, not only was he working on my body, heart and energy systems, he changed my mind. He reopened my heart. He changed, through energy, the thought that was blocking the love and joy for life, and why I was overworking and chasing rainbows without the joy essential to find them. With spirit. Chris.